we? Who's the referee? You weren't here. You were here. <laughs> right. Okay. So where are we? We're Parshas Titzave. We're Parshas Titzave. And it starts at... It starts at... Uh, chapter 27, verse 20. Okay? So here we are. Parshas Titzave. Um, so in case we want to make sure that we got the whole Parsha down, so there are three main themes in the Parsha. Okay? Theme number one is the making of the oil for the menorah, okay? That's the first conversation that we have. The second massive conversation that we have that covers most of the first aliyah, the second aliyah, the third aliyah, and possibly part of the fourth aliyah, no, it's not in the fourth aliyah, um, the, uh, the first, second, and third, is the clothes of the Kohen and a Kohen Gadol. So that's the next big thing that happened. The next aliyahs, five, six, five and six, are all, no, four, five, and six, sorry, four, five, and six, are all about the dedication ceremony of the Mishkan, which we're going to come back to a little bit, okay? So we do have the dedication. What happened, there was a week that they had, you know, like, anybody here ever been in theater? It's been a theater, and you have, like, once everything is done, and everybody had all the practices and everything, but you have, like, final dress rehearsals with the whole shebang. So we have, for the Mishkan, we have the final dress rehearsal, it's going to take place for a week. And in that time, Moshe is going to act as the Kohen Gadol. And Aaron and his sons are going to act as the regular Kohanim. And they're going to learn the service. And that actually starts from the 23rd of Adar for a week. And it's going to, and then on the eighth day, on the first day of Nisan, Aaron is going to take over as the acting high priest. And Moshe is going to step aside. So they, they have like the full shebang dress rehearsal, which we're going to hopefully get a chance to talk about a little bit because it's super interesting, I think. And the last thing that we're going to have in the seventh aliyah is the last of the vessels that we have not yet had a conversation about, and that is the golden altar, which was made for, what did they use, What did they bring on the golden altar? Who remembers? What did you bring on the golden altar? Incense. Incense. The incense was brought on the golden altar, and it was one of the items in the holy. Not in the holy holies, but in the holy. Okay, there. Yay, we finished the whole Parsha. I'm so excited. We finally did everything. Can you click the three things? The three things that are the holy are? No, no. no, no. The three things are the, the oil. highlights. Oh, we have the, the making of the oil. And? We have, no, no, we have. No, 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 you have. No, the first thing you have is the oil. The making of the oil. Then you have the clothing for the Kohen and the Kohen Gadol. The third is the dedication ceremony. And the fourth is the golden altar. The making of the golden altar. Four, you said four. You said there were four. Thank you, thank you, Sarah. Making oil, clothing, the... Dedication ceremony. The details of the dedication ceremony of the tabernacle. And then the last thing that we have is the making of the uh, golden altar, which was used for the incense. Okay? okay. So, yay, we got the whole thing. Now... Um, so we're going to start from the beginning. The Parsha's name is Titzava, which means the command. And this week's Parsha, and every single Dvar Torah you're going to hear about this and talk about, is there's one very, very notable fact about this Parsha. And then the fact is that this is the only Parsha in the entire Chumash from when Moshe is born that his name is not mentioned. Okay? We do not have... Moshe's name is not mentioned in the Torah portion. Okay? Not at all. Now... Why is his name not, not mentioned? So the, the, so the most of the commentaries talk about the idea that in next week's Torah portion, 
spoiler for next week. We have the golden calf next week. So this is a real spoiler. But when Moshe is pleading for forgiveness for the Jewish people for the golden calf, he says to Hashem, if you forgive the Jewish people, great. And if you don't forgive them, erase me from your Torah. And the thing is, when a tzaddik says something, even if they say it on condition, like, if you don't forgive them, then take my name out of the Torah, um, their words still have power. And so Moshe's name is taken out of a Parsha. So from when Moshe is born in Parsha Shemos till the end of the Chumash, there is not a single Parsha where his name is not mentioned at all, except in this Torah portion, which is pretty impressive. Um, so, So it's a couple of interesting things. First of all, First of all, if anybody keeps track of the Hebrew dates, two days ago was the seventh of Adar. And we know that the seventh of Adar was the day that Moshe was born and passed away. Exactly. Moshe is born and he passed away on the same day on the seventh of Adar. So when we talk about, well, of all the Torah portions, you could have his name out of, which one would it be? So a lot of the commentators point to the idea of the Baal term specifically, that this is the week that Moshe passes away. So he is no longer here. This is the parsha that uh, that his name would be uh, removed from? Okay. Now, now the 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 interesting thing, and I, I it's always so, it's always like I, one of the things I love about Chassidus is how it always puts like the twist into the situation. Where the Rebbe has a sicha and he talks about the idea of missing. Moshe's name is missing. I mean, his actual name isn't there. But when you say the the first words of the parsha, and you should command, who is you? Right. Who is you? Moshe. Moshe. You is Moshe, right? When do we need a name? I need a name to refer to another person. But if I want to talk about my essence, does my essence need a name? No, my essence is is you. So Moshe's essence is in this parsha. And his essence is bigger and beyond any of his names. And in fact, some of the, they, they sort of take a like riff off from the Gemara, where they talk about how there's a spark of motion, every single person and Zion other is the time that Moshe's soul goes from being exclusively Moshe's and sort of gets to El- rippled out to everybody that there's some kind of spark that gives us the power to do incredible incredible things and to really connect Hashem in such a deep powerful way is because we're we sort of have like this little essence of Moshe in us which is which is more powerful than than anything that we could have come up on our own so that in a way the Rebbe's like the Rebbe says it's not that he's not yeah yeah his actual name isn't here because he's he's trans he's like moving from Moshe the person to Moshe the essence for everybody. And, and that is reflected by you. Who's you? You is your essence. It's not your name. Your name is me in this manifestation as I am referring to another person or as another person is referring to me, right? Because we don't generally go around and say, hey, you to people, except if we don't know their names. And then we want to pretend we're really good friends. So we say, hey, you, you know? So yeah, so that's the beginning. So we have the whole idea of, 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 the, the Mo- of Moshe being in charge of the making of the oil. We're not getting into the whole conversation of oil. We will briefly mention for a second. Okay, okay. We, we'll briefly mention just because it's very, very interesting and very, you know, this whole, all these parshas we're looking like, and what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for me, right? Because what does it mean for me, right? Because that's how we want, that's how we look, that's how I look at the world. Like, okay, and therefore what, right? When we talk about oil, an olive is, what the more, the, what is more valuable, the oil or the olive? 
the oil, the oil is as a, as a value, like as a, as a financial or whatever you want to say, the oil is much more, much more valuable than the actual olive, but it's so hard to get the oil. It's not like a little lemon juice or an orange juice. Like you don't actually do this to an olive, even though just parenthetically, there is an opinion in the Gemara that the olives in Israel were so rich in the biblical times. We talk about olives being one of the fruits that Israel is blessed with that you could in fact just squeeze in and oil would come out. But the more practical, how do we know, how do you get olive out of right? How do you get oil out of an olive? So you need to apply pressure. And one of the themes that I'm going to try to pull through this whole, through this whole Parsha is that place where we are uncomfortable, let's just say, the place where we are squished a little bit, somehow is going to bring out the best in us. It's not just going to be, we got to get through this and we have to, you know, we just have to somehow figure out how to do it. No, 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 no. When we talk about uh, the places that we wish we hadn't been and the things we hadn't done, we don't, we, hey, there is no real time turner in life. You don't get to go back and just say, I'm not going to do that. But when we're lucky, we get to look back and say, oh, that was how I got to here. All of those pieces, not that we want them, not that we ask for them, but, you know, God has a way of like throwing them at us, you know, like it or not, here I come. Um, how do we integrate them in our lives in a way that enhances our value? And I don't mean it in a financial value, but I'm saying our, our relationship with Hashem, our relationship with other people, is that, are we able to, from that place of squishiness, because we don't call it pain because we're not asking for pain, but a little bit of that uncomfortableness of all the olives going together being squished, you know, can we come up with something bigger and better than we could have had we just been left alone? So that's, a thought for the day. Okay. Now from chapter 28, which is still in the beginning of the first Aliyah, we start the conversation of the close of the Kohen. It's going to start first with the Kohen Gadol, and then it's going to continue on to the close of the Kohen. They were gorgeous. The clothing was gorgeous. Parenthetically, we have organized a trip to the Temple Institute, not next week, but the week after on Thursday, please God. So we'll hopefully get a chance to see what people can picture today and, and, and figure out today of the, the clothing. I'm not saying that that is the be all and end all of the, of the answer that that is in fact what they're, they look like and they will look like, but I know these are people who've done a lot, a lot of research and they put a lot of time and effort into trying to figure out what they should look like. So that's mark your calendar in two Thursdays. We're going to be doing that. The clothes of the Kohen Gadol were stupendous. Really, really, really something out of this world. Okay. Um, uh, and it talks about, I want to say something, some, something that's interesting. Okay. Um, if you take a look in chapter 28, uh, verse three, okay. We're getting the commandment to make the clothing. And so Hashem says to Moshe, and you again, where Moshe is you, uh, you should speak to all of those who are wise of heart. Um, and they should, I will fill them with the knowledge to make these clothing. And a lot of the commentators talk about, you know, this making a home for God. It was extremely detail oriented. We haven't even begun to look at the details because last week we didn't look at any of the vessels. So we will do that next week. But it was extremely, extremely, extremely detail oriented. And, and, and the question I want to know is how did the people know how to do this? 
how do they know how to how do they know this intricate weaving techniques? How do they know the metal work? How do they know how to work with gold and silver? Okay, maybe you want to say they built pyramids so they know how to build, uh, you know, boards and cover them with gold. Maybe, and maybe, but there was so much detailed work that was going on. And the Chacham, a lot of the sages answer, Chachmeleib, anybody who said, wise of heart is not wise of head. Wise of heart is a person who steps forward and says, I want to do this. I don't know how to do it but I want to do it. Hashem says, I will fill you with the knowledge. If you can step forward and say, I want, I want to build a house for God. I do not know how to be a metal worker. I do not know how to cut gemstones. I do not know how to do all of this stuff, but I want to be part of it. Hashem's like, you're my, you're my gal. I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the details. The details are, you know, we could figure out the details, but do you, ha- but do you have that first desire and do you have that first passion? Do you have, are you a chacham lev? Are you wise of heart to say, Hashem says, build me a house. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I want to be there. Then Hashem's like, okay, then we'll figure out the details of how to do it. So that I thought that's just such a, such a powerful lesson for ourselves. You know, how many times are we involved in something? And we maybe don't know exactly how we could do it, but we, we want to be involved. We want to be part of it. We want to be involved in whatever the enterprise is. Step forward, and then we'll see, you know, let's see what happens. And let's see how that, how those pieces come together. And that place of being part of it is so important. Question, comment? That, that would be manifesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Back to our question about manifesting. Yeah. Okay. So, huh? I said, love that. What's that? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> keep us on track. No, keep us on track. Okay. So then in verse four, it, it's going to give us a listing of the clothing. Okay. We have to make a choshen, which is a breastplate. We have to make an aphod, which is, uh, we're going to get back to the aphod, a me'il, which is a kind of coat, um, a katona tashbet, a, a pants, a mitznefet. A mitznefet is a hat. Avnet is a gartel. And then they also have a tzitz, which is going to be a little bit later. I don't know why they, I don't, know why they ha- don't have it here. Okay. So essentially what we're going to have is that Aaron is going to have eight articles of clothing. Okay. A regular Cohen is going to have four and Aaron is going to have eight. What does everybody have? Everybody has a version of a hat. Okay. Which is essentially a long strip of, of linen that's going to end up being wound. It's not like a hat they just put on your head. It's like some kind of turbany. And there's different shapes for the regular Kohen or the Kohen Gadol. And they, there's all different kinds of conversations about that. The second thing that everybody wears is trousers. But they really go from waist to knee. They're linen. And they go from waist to knee. On top of that, they have a tunic. Which is a tunic. It's going to come like cover, like hang low. And all of these things are made of white linen. So if you want to know, Margaret's like obsession with no black. This is where it's coming from. Okay. The other thing that they all have is a belt or gartel, and it was made of. The Torah describes it was made of. Tw- Anybody here ever do um, uh, um, like embroidery kind of work? I, yeah. Okay. So you know that sometimes when you do embroidery, you actually have to separate the threads. Very often, a thread is not one thread; it's multiple threads woven together. So the avnet was made of six threads of scarlet twined with one thread of gold. So you have scarlet. You're going to have the purple. You're going to have the uh, scarlet. You have the, the. You have a linen. You have scarlet. You have the blue. Did I say white? No. 
No. Okay. So you have the linen, the, and the three wools, the scarlet, the purple, and the red. And each of those are also twined with a, a gold. And then they're twined together. So that the thread is actually 28 strands together. And then it's woven into this gorgeous belt, which was uh, all these colors. So it had the gold. Gold, 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 gold thread. No, 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 no. Gold. Like gold I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you spin gold. I'm not Rumpelstiltskin. I don't know how you make gold straight so that you could twist it with, your, with, with material and then what, weave it all together and then, then take all those threads and weave it into something gorgeous. It was also, has anybody ever seen a Chabad guy put on his scarf on Chavez? Yeah? So you see, like it takes like a wrap like this kind of situation. That gartel is about eight feet long. The Avnit that the Kohanim wore was 32 feet long. 32 feet. So one of the interesting things they talk about is that and it gets, it's going to end up being very tight and high. It's, going to, it's not like fat. It ends up getting kind of sort of like that, that um, Kohanim needed help getting dressed. They couldn't, they would have two Kohanim on the side who would like wrap them in their, in their, in their, in their gartel. But if they were late, this is later on the temple. If they were late, the punishment was that only one person was there. They had to turn themselves mm. <laughs> into their castle. So that would have been a little bit harder. Okay, so that's what everybody has now. In addition to that, Aaron has, he has the Hoshen, which we're gonna discuss. Uh, four, oh. Yeah, five, six, seven, eight. The Hoshen is the breastplate. This is the breastplate. He's gonna have the aphod, which we're gonna get into in a second. He has a meal, which is like a coat. We'll get to that in a second. And he also has a suit, which is a little gold piece, a diadem. I only ever saw that word in Harry Potter, by the way. A diadem that's set on his Kodesh Lashem, Holy Hashem. Okay, so now what are these Kodesh? So first of all, we know the Hoshen. The Hoshen is a breastplate. It's going to sit here. It was actually, um, it was material that was folded, okay? And on the Choshen were 12 stones. And on each of the stones was written one of the names of the tribes. Okay. So when just, sorry, I think it's, I think it's okay to do it. Imagine if this was how big it was. This is very serious bling. Four, three rows across, four rows down. This is not little tiny half carat stones. This is Big enough that you could write Ruve, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar. All of them are going to be written on these stones. That's the Choshen. And when you and in this, then there's then the part of the Choshen was called. There was something in the Choshen called the Urbitumim, which was, for lack of a better word, it was like a battery pack, a spiritual battery pack that made the Choshen become a form of communication between Hashem and the Jewish people. And it would actually, in the first temple period, letters on the Choshen would light up when they had a question of national, of national interest. The Kohen Gadol could ask the question and the letters would light up and then you would have him have to like do the anagram and figure out what was the message, like figure it out. So that's why we know when Hannah, you know, referencing another story, when Hannah goes to Shiloh to die for a child and Ailey says to her, you're Shikora. She says, I'm not Shikora, I'm Kishera. It's the same letters, but rearranged. I'm not drunk. I'm a brokenhearted woman who's, who's in such a holy space. And that's why you should listen to my prayers, right? 
So that's the Choshen, which has the, which had the Urim Betumim. In the second temple period, there was no Urim Betumim. Just as an interesting factoid. There was so a breastplate. There was a breastplate, but there was no... There's a conversation of what the Urim Betumim was, whether it was parchment that had God's name on it, like the 42-letter name of God, whether it there was... There's no magic. Wait, what is this again? I'm there's something called an Urim Betumim that went into the Choshen. Okay, so the Choshen was really two pieces of material folded. Okay, and, and whatever it was, they did not have that in the second temple period. The second temple period lasted longer, 10 years longer than the first. The first period, the first temple stands 410 years, the second stands for 420, but it's missing a lot of pieces. The 420, the second temple is missing a bunch of pieces. And one of the things they're missing is the Urmatum, the, the which goes into the Hoshim. So now, Hashem wasn't speaking to them. Not that way. Okay. <laughs> Their communication was different, exactly. Um, now we, the next thing we have is the aphod. Rashi says about the aphod, I, I, my heart tells me that this is what it is. It's a very interesting kind of, kind of expression that, you know, you got to be Rashi to be able to pull off such a thing. He says, my heart tells me that what is this aphod? That it's like an apron that Rashi says that the princesses would wear, or the, 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 the high-class women would wear when they rode horses. And it, essentially, uh, Rashi describes it as a piece that went from here, like, under your waist or waist down to the floor, okay? And it kind of wrapped a little bit, not fully into the front, but kind of a little bit to the front, okay? And it had straps so you could tie it. And it had like, um, suspenders. like suspenders-ish, okay? Overall. Huh? Kind of like an overall, but the, but the front of it was gonna be the, was gonna be the Hoshin. So the A-foot and the Hoshin connected. It had gold, the, the A-foot had, Two onyx stones. So the coin girdle had it on the shoulders. He had each stone had six names of six tribes and six tribes. So if you want to get a sense of size, those are big, big stones. And then it was attached to material that had threads that attached it to gold links that attached it to the Hoshen. And it was held tight. It did, the Hoshen was not allowed to move off the coin girdle. Okay? And these stones were like big. Big bling. They were like stones. Like they were like dying. They, 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 so the Torah counts the stones. They tell you what the stones are. Some we could identify. Some we don't know exactly what they are. Um, Here it says like six different things. What? So I'm saying that, that so I'm saying we don't what of what? Of the effort. There are all the pictures of what it might be and different things. Okay. So, so we're going with, with Rashi. Rashi is a, a down piece that has a string that goes here and strings that go up. Again, this is, we're trying to put the pieces together. Um, and then the Hoshin is very big stones, okay? We're gonna get to that, we're gonna get back to that in a second. It's crystals. No, it's not crystals. The, but it's, it's, it's not gold. crystals. No, it's diamonds and rubies and emeralds and garnets and the no, real no. stones. Crystals are- No, I mean, that like the modern day crystals come from that. I understand, but those are fake. Okay. And these are real. <laughs> Um, and they were set into gold settings and whatever they were, whatever. Yeah, it was like yeah. You, each prince gave one, and the and, and the measures we talked about. The measure says that it came, it felt like you couldn't get this on your own. It was like it was, this was a big. You really couldn't get on them. Okay, so we have an ephod. The meil is a, is a, the is, is like again. It looks from most opinions that it's like a not a jumper. It's like a what would be like a like a coat almost that goes no sleeves, vest, but it's not a vest. It goes down to the floor. It goes down very, to the floor. Very very long vest. 
like a very, very long mess, like, but over your head, not open and close, like over your head. So you, it goes, it's like arms and holes open. And at the bottom of the meal, and, it's, and it was made out of the, the uh, chalet, it was made of like this bluey, greeny kind of color. And at the bottom of the meal was, uh, he had like golden, golden bells and little pomegranates, like red pomegranates and golden. So it said, the, the huh? On the meal at the bottom, at the edge of the meal was Pamon Zahav Rimon, Pamon Zahav Rimon. There was a gold bell with a clapper and a pomegranate. Real no, not a real pomegranate. That would be very heavy. That no, no. little, little red pomegranate and little golden uh, bells with clappers were at the bottom of the meal. And, uh, and then the tzitz was on top. So if you, how the Kohen Gadol was dressed, he had his tunic, his pants, his, uh, his gartel. And then he had his me'il on top of that. He had his apron on top of that, attached to the choshen. He had his own hat, and he had the 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 gold plate that said Kodesh Lashem. Okay. Now, just an interesting fact, both for the Kohen Gadol, is that um, he was not allowed to lift his hands higher than the tzitz. So if it was on his forehead, he couldn't do this. So he blesses the people like this. And in fact, it says that in the temple there were steps in front of the menorah because he couldn't lift his hands up to light the menorah. He had to he had to be higher so that he could be more level with it. So those are the clothing. Now, and there's going to be a lot of conversation. We just knock this off in like whatever five minutes. Or but be heavy. First of all, Cohen Gardner's clothing were very heavy. It's heavy and loud. Heavy yeah, and loud. The bells on the bottom. There's a whole cut. We're going to get into this. I just want to finish one more thing, and then we're going to come back to the clothes of the Cohen Gardner because that's kind of where I want to put some of my emphasis. But I want to finish one. More, I want to say one more thing. Um, so, and then it's going to go, and then we're going to start going into the conversation of the, uh, like I said, uh, Aliyah one, two, and three talks about the clothing in more detail than I gave you. Um, and all the, those were all white linen. There's a conversation. Some of them were made like um, basket weave and some of them were just plain. And the, and the garter was like all this colorful, beautiful stuff. Notice there was no cloth. Notice there were no shoes or socks. For the coin for the kohanim and the coin battle um okay and then we're going to start then four five and six is going to talk about the the four five and six is going to talk about the dedication of the mishkan which is very interesting because it's not even a dedication of the base of mikdash it's a it literally was a one-time event and it takes three aliyahs it takes three aliyahs so it's very very interesting um one of the things that i want to point out is if anybody can help me find the beginning of the sixth aliyah uh where is it it's talking about the sacrifices that they have to bring and everything okay and then in the beginning then this if you find the beginning of the sixth aliyah it's chapter 28 verse 38 and it's talking about bringing the sacrifice the daily sacrifice in the base hamikdash and you have to bring a uh, bring one in the day, a, a, a goat or something in the morning, in the afternoon, every single day, right? Uh, so there's an interesting conversation in the Gemara where a few rabbis were sitting around and they were saying, what is the most important pasuk in the Torah? Like if we were to say like, what was like the bumper sticker of the, Jew the, bumper sticker of the Jewish people, what would it be, right? So one rabbi is like, Shema Yisrael, like, what do you think? What, what could possibly be, like, our motto, right? Shema Yisrael, Hashem, 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 that was one opinion. And another opinion was... 
right? What are we going to go? What's a, and one of the rabbis said, the, the bumper sticker of the Jewish people is, this is what you should do for the Mizbeach. No, no, sorry, that's not the positive. The next one. That in the morning you bring one sacrifice, in the afternoon you bring another sacrifice. And at the end, when they, they had their, however they figured out what the consensus was, this was the winning pasuk. Now you think like, really? This was the winner? Bring a sacrifice in the morning and bring a sacrifice in the afternoon? Like, Shema Yisrael to me is like, has a much better ring to be quite honest. And for sure. But one of the things that they, they were highlighting with this message is that Judaism isn't only about when I'm inspired and when I feel good and when I, when, I, when I want to do it. When you talk about dedication and you talk about education, the place of every single day, this is what I do. This is what I need to do. I need to show up and be present no matter what I feel like. That's Judaism. Judaism is also about the high spaces. It's also about the, whoa, those amazing kind of places. But the other very, very, very fundamental thing about Judaism is showing up every day and doing what you need to do. It's uh, chapter 29, verse 39. Okay. That being there and, and it's highlighted by the fact that every single day they brought two sacrifices, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And one of the things that we fast about on the 17th of Tammuz one of the things that we're mourning is that the carbon tamid stopped, that we don't have it anymore. When, during the siege of Jerusalem, they weren't able to bring the sacrifice. That, that a place of reliability and stability and consistency, you know, when we're young, we think those are all bad words. You know, to, be, to, be, to show up all the time and to be reliable and dependable right? We think those are not good things. And then you get a little bit older and you realize those are amazing qualities. <laughs> Could you be somebody who's reliable? Could you be somebody who's dependable? Could you be somebody who shows up? If I said, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to flake out on you. That's, that's what this is talking about. The place of being, you know, yes, we would love to always be on a high in our relationship with God, but we know it's not true in relationships. Relationships, you don't, Unless you're like on some really good drugs, you're not really on a high all the time. And then that's not a real relationship because that's like an induced relationship that is not real. But the real place of a real relationship of being present is even when I don't feel like it, I'll go take the garbage out. When I don't feel feel like I'll walk a crying baby in the night. All of those things are what make a real relationship. And I just want, it's in our Parsha. So I just wanted to take a couple of minutes and talk about this because the Torah is going to give us so many words. Three aliyahs worth of dedication of the, of the Mishkan. And I think that that place of when we dedicate ourselves to something, we think it's going to just be like, whoa, and amazing and dazzling and great. And Torah is reminding us that part of what you're signing up for is to be reliable and to be consistent and to show up when you say you're going to show up. So I assume everybody struggles with things that I struggle with. So I want to give us a bracha for reliability and dependability and consistency because it's it's so much harder to be passionate when it's from a place of dependability and consistency and not from a place of like, whoa, I'm high in God and like my dominic is flying. I'm like, it's, yeah. Anyway, we should all we should all be all of those things. The Seder. Um, we're doing fine for time. It's gonna be fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna get into the Qataris right now. I want to go back to the co- the, co- the close of the coin gadol. We'll talk. Okay. 
We're going to go back a little bit. Listen, the, the, here, the thing of the, of the, of the Kataris, we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about different vessels, which we didn't have a chance to talk about. So we're going to get, we're going to get back to it. Hold me to it, Noah. Hold me to it. I remember. Okay. I want to go back to the Kohen Gadol for a second. Because one of the things that I really didn't like ever, so I'm going to share my dislike with everybody, is when people used to tell me, you know, as a woman, as a wife, you're like the Kohen Gadol in your house and all the things you do, or like the Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol. I, I don't know. It didn't resonate with me. Maybe it resonates with other people. It didn't totally resonate with me. Um, Maybe I didn't know enough about the Klein Gadol. Maybe I was like in a place where I wasn't really interested in you telling me that, you know, laundry and cleaning up is exactly what the Klein Gadol did in the Beis HaMikdash and you should love every moment of it. Whatever. I wasn't buying that challenge. <laughs> but I, I, I was learning something about the Klein Gadol that so resonated with me. And I'm like, I'm going to share that. And maybe it's going to like, maybe it's going to help me in my, in my Klein Gadol, you know, in my Klein Gadol role. Um, so the sages ask, why do the Jewish people have to have the Kohen Gadol wear their names twice? Because essentially, they're on his shoulders, six and six, and then they're on the Hoshin. The names of the, of, the, of the tribes of Israel were written on the onyx stones that were on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol. And on each one of those stones that they had on the, on the, on the, on the Hoshin, it had their names again. So one time we're like, whoa, that's amazing. But two, it's not overkill, but like you gotta, you gotta wonder like, why? What, why do we need to have our, why does Kohen Gadol have to have our service, sorry, have to have our names twice every time he does the service? It's like, why? Six and six, six and six. So that's one set of names. And then on the Hoshen, you have another set of names. So here it's six and six. And here it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And they're written in, most people agree that they're written in birth order. So you would start from Reuven and the last one here would be Binyamin. And it would be an order of their birth, not an order of like, not an order of the mother's birth, but as they were actually born, as you have them written in the Torah, how they were born. So there's a whole conversation about that. Um, but to, to get the conversation, we have to go back a step, okay? In the image of the aphod, as Rashi portrays it, where does the aphod sit? Waist, yeah. In which direction? No, waist, going. The, <laughs> the aphod is going. Right, back and down. Nachon? It's going to tie. It's going to strap. It's going to have ties. It's going to have ties here and it's going to have ties here. But the, the base of the aphod is pretty much the back and going down. And it's blue. The aphod, I think, is not blue. I think the aphod is linen. The me'il is blue. We could double check. We could double check. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swear to it, but um, I think the aphod was the linen. Oh, the jacket thing. The jacket, exactly. The the long tunic yeah. that was blue. The meal was blue okay. with the with the pomegranates and the and the thing on the bottom. Uh, back and down, okay. And where's the front and center, okay? So in our lives, we have times of our life and behavior in our life that we are like front and center. We were like on fire. We like got it, you know? We're like, 
shiny examples of who we want to be and how we see ourselves, right? And then there are times in our life that it's kind of like the aphode. We're kind of like, <laughs> up and around. Up and around, you know, kind of towards the back. It's kind of not exactly front and center. It's a little bit somehow um, a different view of ourselves than we would like. It was, it's, it's, you know, the, this part. You know, let's not bring that up. Let's not discuss that. And there's a mitzvah in the Torah. One of the 613 mitzvahs, according to the Rambam, is that the choshen and the aphod have to be tied together. The choshen is not a necklace. It doesn't like swing around. It's like, it's locked in there. Like, I don't know how the Congretal breeds, but that's a different conversation, right? But like, it's all locked in there together. And what's very interesting, and we have like four minutes to develop this. So I'm going to try to like, stay a little bit concise is that there are times where we don't really want to stand out as individuals. Let's just be part of the Jewish people. We, the Jewish people, we're like going to all be good. Like we, the Jewish people. And that's when we're operating from a place that's not, not optimal for us. The place that challenges us, the place that, uh, you know, isn't our best best place and we're not 100% sure who we are where we are where we want to go so the aphod represents that kind of behavior and the names that we have are written as a group we're coming to God as a group we're coming to God and saying look at us as a group we're 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 sababa we we the Jewish people we're awesome right like this is our relationship with Hashem. We don't want to be singled out so much. We want to be part of the group. We want to be part of the Jewish people. And the Kohen Gadol holds that relationship for us. But he also holds the relationship that each and every one of us stand on our own and our name shines on its own. And one of the things that, that we have to get and we have to learn and we have to really kind of put the pieces together is that they are all one thing. It's not like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have. Oh, I could, this, is the, this is all I want to be. It's part of me. Those things that I wasn't great at are what lead me to become the person who could shine on the breastplate. And there I could stand on my own. So there's really two relationships of a person with God that are being um connected but really intertwined not just connected like so intertwined that place of embedded embedded exactly but it's so held tightly together one causes the other and that place of being able to be uh to be to to take our maybe not failures that's a big word but maybe like our you know Whatever we want to call it, you know, are, are those kind of moments are like mm, moments, right? With place where we don't want to stand out and say, hey, God, look at me. We want to kind of come in as part of the Jewish people. Those are what lead us and that enable us to shine in the brightest place. And what's very interesting is that on the breastplate, if you count the brothers in order, the onyx stone, there's an onyx stone in the breastplate as well. It's Yosef's stone. And Yosef, so the onyx that the Kohen Gadol has on his shoulders, that's Yosef's stone, meaning his stone is on the, on the Mishka, is, 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 uh, is, is in the, is in the Choshen, sorry. It's in the Choshen, but it's also on this, on the, on the, uh, on the shoulders of the aphod, right? 
So our names, how we come to God together, we're on the stone of Yosef. And what do we know about Yosef? Yosef had the ability to be in terrible, terrible situations and really shine from that place, to use that place as a place of growth and a place of, of Yosef Hatzadik in the, in the situation where you think, my gosh, how are you going to get out of this? You know, how are you going to spin this story? Yosef comes out beautiful. And, and that power of Yosef is really what enables us to go, to transition from the shoulders to the front, to be able to transition from the place of, don't look at me too closely, to the place of, yes, I've progressed and I've gone and I've done and I've worked. And now I'm not just, I am, I am part of the Jewish people, but I'm not only part of the Jewish people. I'm also an individual who's shining bright and, and, and so forward looking in my relationship with Hashem. And that's one of the things that we end up getting from Yosef. So I want to give us a bracha that we not be afraid of the things in our lives that are less than stellar, but that we understand that they are, they are a, they, they are a, a vehicle. They're a vehicle. They're a conduit. They're a pathway. They are stepping stones. All of those things had, when we're lucky, we get to look back and say, oh, I can see that, that path. But even if we don't see it, we have to understand that that place of where we faltered is the place that we gain the strength to move forward for. You know, we know when you want to, and you, if among, for the athletes amongst us, if you want to take a very big jump, you step backwards. You go back to propel yourself forward. And that's really what this is. There are sometimes we take a step backwards. Sometimes we do it consciously. Sometimes we do it subconsciously, but always is going to be in order to propel us forward. And that's really that combination that the Hoshan and the Ephod are intrinsically connected and they can't be separated. And if you separate it, you, 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 you've done a negative commandment of separate, you know, you're not allowed to do that. You just can't do it. Right. We, the, all the parts that we were in, it's like, can I just erase those? No, no, I should like bring it in. Bring it into the relationship. Understand that it's a stepping stone and it's a conduit for you to be able to grow and to move forward. And we should only have revealed good and blessings. I have four more minutes. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Okay. Because we were talking about, for a second, we talked about the pomegranates and the bells, which is <laughs> such an interesting thing, right? Um, when you envision peace, peacefulness, what does it sound like? Quiet. It sounds quiet. It sounds kind of quiet. And then you have the Kohen Gadol. He's walking around with bells. It's not like a bell. It's like pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell. It's like all over the bottom of his of his coat. It's like it's it's noisy. It's noisy. And it's and what's up with that, right? So so the so our Chacham our sages tell us that the pomegranates refer to the Jewish people when they're again not in their stellar state. The, the it says someplace I forgot exactly where that the the most the the most wicked Jew is full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate is full of seeds. So the pomegranate refers to the Jewish people when they're not in their choshen shining forward space. Those people are covered on the choshen, but when the kohen gadol does his service, he needs to take everybody with him. So he's taking the people who are the pomegranate people, and he's taking the people with him. You ever see? God forbid, you should never see this. Do you ever see a video? The like the Jewish people who are not so righteous are still filled with mitzvahs like a pomegranate. That's what it says. The pomegranate is like the Jewish people as we're, we're not kosher. 
Um, and if you've ever seen anybody drowning, they make a lot, well, okay, we know there's silent drowning. I'm not talking about that, but generally speaking, you make a lot of noise. When you're like nerd, when you're that place of our service of Hashem not being quiet, it's in a place of desperation. It's very noisy. And those bells are those of us who are hanging on to the edge of the Kohen Gadol's clothing. We're like, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. Like I'm just hanging on and I got to make a lot of noise so that everybody knows that I'm here and I'm okay. And so help me, help me, help me. The Kohen Gadol's like, without those, his service is not complete. If it's missing one pomegranate, it's missing one belt, his service is not complete. And the place of, back to ourselves for a second, all the parts of our lives have to become part of our service of Hashem. The places where we're solid and we're shining and we're glorious and we're amazing, that's part of that. You know, we go, oh, that's the easy part. That's part, you know, that's that's part of our relationship with Hashem. But the places where we are so desperate for connection and we're noisy and we're not calm and we're not so at ease with what we're doing, but that also has a place in our relationship with Hashem. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. And the Kohen Gadol couldn't do his service without that. And without that place of it's not quiet desperation. It's very loud. Help me, help me, desperation. Um, to be able to to integrate that into our lives, and yeah, and to and to into and to understand that no matter where we exactly, <laughs> and no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, all of it comes into our service of Hashem. The only time it doesn't is when the Kohen Gadol goes into the Holy of Holies. Then he takes off the second four clothing. He only goes in with the white clothing. He doesn't bring any, no noise, no gold, no distraction, because that's God's space. In our space, we have noise, we have color, we have distraction, but in God's space, that doesn't exist. So we're integrating those things. We're integrating the places where we are, in fact, silent with God, but there's also the place where we're quite noisy and quite loud in our relationship, trying to help us build that relationship. So I want to give us a bracha, if, you know, that we should we should be able to see how we are leading the service of Hashem, that we are the, we are the focal, how things are moving uh, for sure in our own lives. Um, please God in our lives as they extend and the people in our sphere of influence and to understand that it's not just about them and those people who aren't in their stellar place. And we're going to be so magnanimous <laughs> and sort of bring them in, but for ourselves to be kind and loving and forgiving of the places that we haven't lived up to the potential that we saw for ourselves and that to be able to understand that we're going to bring all of that into our service of Hashem and that it's all going to be beautiful and shiny and we're going to be able to serve Hashem in the most amazing, amazing way. And we should see it already in our days. Yala, let's bring it on already. Mm-hmm.